Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. We worship together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, both in person and online at youtube.com slash area10church. Kid-friendly programming is also available at the same time just down the street at 2810 at Community Gathering Place. We hope to see you at the Bird Theater soon. Now, on to this week's message. I was listening to this podcast the other day, and it was one of those talking about different things going on in the political world, and they were talking about something that the Republicans were doing in Congress. Ooh. And um, they were saying it was a bad thing. Whatever thing was, doesn't matter. But then they said that the reason the public Republicans were doing this in Congress is because the Democrats had done it before. And so the Republicans are now having their opportunity. They're doing the bad thing of the Democrats had done before. And if you had asked the Democrats why they did the thing that they had done before, they would tell you. It was because before them, the Republicans had done this thing and that they were responding to that and they were doing that. And if you had asked those Republicans why they were doing that thing, you know what they would tell you? Well, they learned it from the Democrats who had done that before them. And I thought, this sounds really familiar. Like, I feel like I, I've, I've heard this cycle before. I've heard this in politics. I mean, this shows up all over the place. Well, I did this bad thing, and then, then they did a bad thing back to me to retaliate. And because they did that to me, I need to retaliate to them. This is like the history of history. This isn't just our current mode of, of, of politics. This is the way it has always been. If you, look, if you go back through history and you look at... These people fight and they go back and forth. And this is Israel and Palestine. This is, uh, this is showing up all over the world, all through history. This shows up in marriage when you said this thing and, I, and you bring up this thing that I brought up, that you brought up, and then you said this thing and back and forth. This shows up in relationships with your extended family. This kind of thing happens all the time. And it goes so far back that at some point, we don't even remember what we're fighting about or how this ever started. We don't remember who was the first person to fire the first shot. We just know that we're at war with each other. And you see this kind of thing all the time. And this back and forth thing breeds contempt. Now, contempt, um, I want to spend a little time talking about that today. Contempt is sort of like anger on steroids. So maybe the way to think of it is a lot of people define guilt as I did something wrong. That's guilt. Shame is guilt on steroids. Shame is not only did I do something wrong, but I am a bad person, right? That's, that's beyond I just messed up. That's a state of being. I am this bad person. And in the same way, anger, if it aimed at another person, is you did something that I didn't like, so I'm angry at you. But contempt would be you did something I didn't like, and it's because you're an evil person, right? That's contempt. And when you see that cycle of retaliation, they did this and then they did this and we're going to pay them back, you see the contempt building. It be, it, it's not just you made a mistake, it's you're a terrible person. In fact, author uh, Matt Tybee wrote this book called Hate Incorporated, and he gave uh, these 10 rules of hate. And I thought, well, this would be good for us to know whether, what are the 10 rules of hate? Um, but I, I actually think what he's describing here, what he's calling hate, I would say is contempt. And as I read these to you, I want you to not only go, because the, the easy thing here to go would be like, oh, I totally know people who do that. Rather than do that, think about a way that this might apply to you, okay? This is, because I, I think when you see this, you go, yeah, this is totally what's going on in society, so the 10 rules of hate are this. Number one, there are only two ideas. So everything's a binary. It's this or this. Number two, the two ideas are in permanent conflict. We can never resolve this. These people are fundamentally at odds, and it always will be that way. Number three, hate people, not institutions. 
The church might be okay. Higher ed might be okay. It's all those corrupt people who run all of it who are the problem, right? Number four, everything is someone else's fault. It's definitely not yours. It's someone else's. Those people over there are the problem. Number five, nothing is everyone's fault. Because if, if it was all our fault, then we would all have to own it. Don't buy into that. Just believe it's their fault, not everybody's fault, okay? Number six, root, don't think. This becomes like sports of, of hatred, of, of, of contempt. We're going to cheer for that. Don't think it through too much. Just cheer for your side. Number seven, no switching teams. You cannot do that. You must never, ever, ever join the other side on this because they are the bad people. That would be the worst thing. Don't ever do it. Number eight, the other side is literally Hitler. This is our go-to, right? Number eight, those people over there are evil. It's not just they're misinformed or they're dumb. They're just evil, bad people. Number nine, in the fight against Hitler, everything is permitted. If you had the chance to go back and kill him before he, or like give him an A on his art project so he would become an art artist instead of what he became, you know, whatever. Everything is permitted in the fight against Hitler. And number 10, feel superior. It's, it's, it's. They're bad, you're the right people. Don't you think, that, that is a formula for contempt, and don't you think that's what is going on in a large part of our, our, our culture and our, our discourse? We're getting, we're getting sucked into that, that thing. We're, we're, we're going beyond anger, we're moving to contempt, and we're treating people like they're something less than human. Not you, of course, you're good, you're a good person, your motives are good. When you, when you mess up, it's because you made a mistake. But when other people mess up that you know, it's because they're just bad people, right? This is, this is what happens. And this is going on forever. And as I was listening to a podcast talking about it, they were basically saying, somebody in the, in the Republican Democrat thing, they were saying, they were like, somebody needs to just kind of like put a stop to it and say, we're not going to retaliate. And as they were saying that, I thought, you know, because I'm a preacher, right? I think these things, I was like, you know, Jesus talked about this. This is not new. He was talking about this exact same dynamic thousands of years ago. And he had some things to say about it because he was noticing that people, they, they don't change that much in history. We, we still do that same kind of stuff. This is, these are not new, new problems. So in Matthew chapter 5, in his very famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about this retali retaliation thing. And he says this. I'll start with verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And then he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And he goes on to say, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus acknowledges that this cycle of contempt really happens when we retaliate, when we, um, when, when he says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You know, this is the, this is, you've heard that it was said, this is what people do. You poke my eye out, I'm going to poke your eye out. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. You mess with my family, I'm going to mess with your family. He acknowledges that's what it, it's supposed, that's what normally happens. And he's trying to break the cycle and said, no, no, that's not how it's going to be with you. Do something different. Do not repay evil for evil. With, with evil. Instead, he says, if someone slaps you on the cheek, show them the other one as well. We heard the... <coughs> Sorry, I did that on the microphone. I couldn't get to it quick enough. I'm healthy. <laughs> That's fine. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, 
when, when, he's, when he says turn the other cheek, it was the idea that if someone slaps you, offer them the other one and say, hey, you know, um, you, why, don't you, why don't you slap me on this cheek? Or this idea of someone wants you to go with them a mile, go with them, we, we would say go the extra mile. But there was this idea that Roman soldiers could make Jewish citizens carry their equipment for them for a mile, legally up to a mile. And the Jews resented this as they resented most things about Roman occupation. And so if a Roman soldier pulled a Jewish person aside and said, you carry my stuff for me for a mile, they had to do it. And Jesus said, if they, basically, if they do that to you, go another one. Go a second mile. Because that's actually going to make the Roman soldier feel bad for making them do it to you in the first place because they know that's kind of out of bounds and you shouldn't do that. But he's like, you be the one to put an end to the retaliation. You be the one to stop the, the contempt from escalating. Um, and, I, and, and what he was saying, I think, was stunning in his day, and I think it's stunning in our day, to, to actually turn the other cheek. Does anybody do that? The closest thing I could think of, the comparison, was um, I remember Michelle Obama years ago saying that their, her family took a lot of criticism, as presidents do, and she said, um, we have a saying in our family, when they go low, we go high. You might remember her saying that. Um, and I thought, that's cool. Like, that's a way of saying we're taking the high road. Unfortunately, I think it seems like in our culture, everybody just goes low now. Like, nobody goes high. Like, we don't do that anymore. That was cute, Michelle, but no. We're all just going to go low and try to get lower. When they go low, we will go lower than that, right? And it's unfortunate because I think that's actually what Jesus is getting at is, is pointing us to a, a higher road, pointing us away from contempt to what I think is the opposite of contempt, and that is peace. He's pointing us to this sense of peace where um, for, for nations, for tribes, for ethnic groups, for sure, that kind of peace between those groups and even for our own sense of personal peace, Jesus is pointing us that direction. Peace is... Uh, as the op- sort of the opposite of contempt, peace is uh, a, a fruit of the Spirit. Um, the Spirit of God, when, when we give our lives to Christ and we are baptized, the Spirit of God lives inside of us. And that Holy Spirit inside of us is actively working in your life to create something, to produce something. The Apostle Paul wrote about that in his letter to the church in Galatia. And in Galatians 5, he, he writes about what that Spirit is producing in you, and it's, we call it uh, the fruit of the Spirit. If you have kids in A10 Kids, they are learning about this today. Talk to them about it. If you have students in our student ministry on Wednesday night, they are learning about this. Talk to them about it. We are all on this topic for, for eight weeks, the fruit of the Spirit. Let's read these because when your kids or when you see someone else uh, and they, they talk about this, I want you to be able to quote it from memory. So we're going to read this together. Galatians 5.22, just read this with me so we can learn it and memorize it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That means... As a follower of Jesus, the longer you're in on this, you should be growing in love, in joy, in peace, in patience, kindness. There's, there should be something about you that's more measurably kind. In, in some way, if we can put a scale on that, you are more kind than you were a year ago. You are more gentle, more patient. We should be growing in these things. And if we're not, we need to think about that and figure out what's going on. Because that is what the Spirit is trying to produce in us. And so right in there is this idea of peace. So how do we get peace? Within warring tribes and cultures and ethnicities and all that, but also even within our own, our own hearts. How do we get peace? First, we need to understand this idea. Jesus is actually the one who makes peace in the midst of conflict. 
Jesus is the one who makes peace. Um, in Ephesians, another letter Paul wrote to a, another church in, in, in Turkey, in Asia Minor, um, he writes this, and uh, Ephesians chapter 2, there's a lot of famous verses in this. This is one of the verses, the sections of Ephesians 2 that I think often gets overlooked, but I think there's some really brilliant things in here that Paul is teaching. And so I want us to look at it. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. There's some talk about Jews and Gentiles here. I'll, I'll unpack that in a second, but let me just read it to you. Listen to what he says. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles, which is non-Jews, you who are Gentiles by birth are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who were near. For through him we both have access to Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. This is a beautiful thing, especially when you understand the, the background of it. The Jews and the Gentiles um, are, are just different groups um, ethnically, religiously, we would say racially. They're, they're different groups of people. The Jews in, in Israel there are being ruled by the Romans, who would be Gentiles, and other nations around are Gentiles. They're the other. So the Jews are the, we're the chosen people of God. We, we follow God, and we follow his laws. And so the Jews would have different rules about food, about um, you know, just how they live their life, about practicing Sabbath, and all of these, these rules and codes, the laws and the commandments, all these things that the Jews would live by, and that would make them appear to be very weird to the Romans. In the same way, it, there's hardly a parallel, but if you could find like the way average American citizen looks at Amish people who live within their country, but we go, well, they have a weird set of rules, and they don't use electricity or whatever it is, right? Like, there's this weird subset that lives with, within our culture, right? And so the Jews were kind of looked at that way. And because of that, there was animosity and hatred. There was contempt. There was, we don't like those people. Those are weird. And, it, and that would flow in both directions. The, the Roman citizens would look at the Jews like they're uncivilized, backwoods, bumpkin people. And the Jews would look at the Romans like they're these gross, pagan, sinful, awful people, right? And there was this, this, this thing going back and forth between the groups. And Paul says, Here's what Jesus has done. He has taken everybody and put them on even footing at the cross. When he died, he died for Jews and Gentiles. And he made things right. It says he broke down the wall of hostility, the hatred, the animosity. Jesus breaks this down, and, he, it's, and Paul says he himself is our peace. And he says he abolished the commandments. So the idea that I could be right before God because I kept all the rules perfectly the Jews would believe that, and they would look at the Gentiles and go, those people don't keep the rules perfectly, so they can never be right before God. And Paul says, no, here's what happened. Jesus died for all of us. And if any of us are going to be right with God, it's because we have faith in Jesus, 
not because we kept all the rules perfectly. This is a, this is a, a profound thing in, in, in that culture. But let's, let's put it into our context a little bit. I think we need to see a scripture like that because we don't, we don't have the same Jew-Gentile distinction. We do have racial problems, and we do look at other people and otherize them and think, well, that, that's that group of people and this group of people, right? We do have some challenges of our own where we think we're more special than these people. I'm proud to be an American, and then I'm, I'm glad I was born here and not there, and all, there's all that kind of stuff that we need to recognize. Maybe what we can get from the Scripture is, hey, guess what? We're just not that special. I, I'm not special because I'm a minister. I don't get some like direct access to God that other people don't have. You're not special because you're an American or not. You're not special because you're black or white or Asian or whatever. That, that, that's not the point. Jesus has leveled the playing field. That means none of us can boast about who we are. We're not just so awesome because we are this thing. Um, we are loved by God, and we, are, and, and, G, and we are all here because of Jesus. We are adopted into the family of God. We are all on a, a, a level playing field here, and that is true of you. That's true of the person next to you, and that's also true of people you don't like. They also have the same opportunity and access before God to be in a relationship with him, to be loved, to be part of the family of God. This is the basis of peace and reconciliation. There will be no peace as long as groups think of themselves as better than other groups of people or as individuals think of themselves as better than. Um, that's not going to work. Peace will come when we have humility. And humility comes when we recognize that all we have is because of Jesus. It's him, not us. He creates something. It says he creates two, a new man, a new person out of the two creates this new person. Jesus creates something new. We are the people who have been forgiven by God. So why would we treat anyone with contempt? Jesus brought peace. Okay, but what about, you could say, all right, that makes sense for everybody who like follows Jesus. What about people that I know that don't like Jesus or don't care about God or not interested in any of that or they're not about it? What about them? Like, am I better than them? No. This, this, what, I, what, I've, what I often say about that, because people say, what about these other people? And I'm like, I, God God will judge them. God will judge me. It, it's, up, it's them and God. It's not, it's not my place. I would say, like, it's above my pay grade to, to, to call it out and say, oh, they're going to hell, and they're the, like, I, God, will, God will sort it out. Um, it is my job, as we talked about two weeks ago, to love people. That's the posture I want to take, is I want to try to love them well and let God, God sort all of, all of that out. Because I don't want to give in to that, that slippery slope to contempt. So, so, so number one is Jesus is the one who makes peace in the midst of conflict. And then secondly, along, along with that, is our role is to keep the peace. Our role is to keep the peace. Uh, later in that same letter, Ephesians chapter 4, listen to what Paul says, just this one verse, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take some sweat to do this. Make every effort not to make peace. Make every effort to keep the unity and the bond of peace that Christ has given. He gave it. We make the effort to keep it, to keep the conflicts from rising up again. Um, and I think that's true of peace between you and someone else, but I think it's also true of internal peace. The Scripture also refers to peace that we have as a peace that surpasses all understanding. I love that phrase. 
there's a sense of peace, and some of you know exactly what this is like. There's a sense of peace when things are chaotic around you, and God gives you this supernatural calm, this supernatural sense of it's not okay, but it's going to be okay. And the only reason it's going to be okay is because God is in this. Some of you know exactly what that's like. Um, We have to make the effort then to keep the peace that God has given us and not get sucked back into the cycle of contempt because there's a lot of it out there. I mean, I hate to say this because it almost sounds conspiracy, conspiratorial, but I think if you look at mainstream culture right now, and, and, and I, would, I, would, I would say a lot about social media here and, and kind of what gets put out there that we, that we consume, um, it is designed to make you hate people. Hate incorporated. It is designed to bring about contempt um, and make you treat other people as if they're other. And, and, and we can say, at worst, I would say that it's, it, it's satanic, that Satan wants to destroy people, and this is a good way to do it. And, and I think it's a, that's a valid way of looking at it. At best, I could say it's an algorithm problem, and the way that the algorithms, they... they you know, what, whatever will get clicks is, what, is, what, is what you'll get more of. And so there's that. I mean, um, there's all of that at play. I, you know, it, uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago with Joy. Like, Instagram will drive envy, which will, comparison, which will suck your joy. Um, Twitter might drive anger, right, which could lead to contempt. And that's not going to give you a sense of peace. And different things trigger different people, but it's, we need to be aware that this is, the, this is the pool that we are swimming in and that these things are out there and, and these things will, uh, will suck your sense of peace away from you. Notice what, um, notice what is out there that is trying to make you at war with other people. You, you have to notice that and see it if you're going to live at peace. And the second thing I think you have to do is you have to do things that intentionally bring peace. This is why we say to pray. This is why we say... To show gratitude, we talked about that uh, last week, showing gratitude as, as, as an important thing. This is why, you know, the stuff, <laughs> go for a walk, um, uh, read the scripture, pray to God, um, exercise, all of those things. For me, um, reading scripture is, is a way to, um, to ground myself and to, uh, to, 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 to keep the peace, to keep an internal sense of peace, because I'm surrounded by chaos or in seasons I am. And there's a lot of hard stuff and relational things and challenges with family and friends and the world and all of these things. And I have to keep coming back to this and going, okay, what does God say to me today? All right, that's relevant or not, or that's interesting, okay. And who is God and who am I in relation to him? I have to keep coming back to that in order to get peace. You have to fight for it. Um, that's why I read scripture. It's why I exercise, because apparently moving around helps release stress hormones and things like that, and is helpful for you. Um, there, is, there is a podcast I listen to. It's a really short one. I, I rarely recommend podcasts and stuff to you, but I'll give you this one because it's, it's like a five-minute thing. It's called the Pour Over Podcast. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. The Pour Over Podcast is a news. So if you're going to get news, hey, what happened in Congress this week or what's going on in Ukraine or whatever, if you're going to get news anywhere... The Pour Over podcast is something that gives you news in about a five to seven minute segment. And throughout them giving you the news story, they will give you scripture with it. And so they'll say, here's the news. 
this thing happens, here's the debt ceiling problem, and then they'll be like, Jesus taught us that money is this, or just something, you know, just quick like that. Normal, uh, full disclosure, normally I find most Christian-y things like that to be really cheesy, okay? Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that from the job I have for a living. I don't know. I find that supposed to be really cheesy most of the time. You know, if they're like, here's a movie, like here's a Christian version of that movie with Kirk Cameron. I'm like, oh, no, no. I'll just watch the original movie, you know. It's like, here's music. Here's Christian music. It's like music, but the lyrics are more legible, understandable. I don't know. It's weird. Um, normally, I don't like that thing, but I do think uh, something like the Pour Over podcast where it's like, all right, this is news. Something about the scripture and them just interweaving it in there, I was like, oh, that is, that is kind of helpful. Like, I don't feel completely depressed when I hear this. Like, it, it, it can be a good thing. That may be useful to you. It may not. No worries. Um, but I do think that keeping the peace that Christ brings requires effort. Um, it's not easy. I, I struggled with it this week. I was wide awake at 4 a.m. one day this week, anxious about stuff going on in my life. Um, I did not have this great internal sense of peace. Uh, I was turning it all over in my mind and frustrated and worried and just all the concern. Um, and it's awful. And so early in the, later that morning, I read, I pray, I try to write things down in a journal. I do not do those things to make me holy. People think, oh, you know, well, you're a religious person. You're like, I guess you pray and read. And I do those things to survive. Like, this is not like, those aren't necessarily thriving, right? Those are just like, let's get back to zero and okay again. Like, it's, it's a need that, that flows out of me to, to, to get by. Um, because I have a tendency to go to war. I have a tendency to slip into contempt. When we, uh, when we aim at anger at other people, we call it contempt. When we aim it at ourselves, we call it shame. And I truly believe Christ is the one who can set us free when we go to war. Perhaps the best illustration of that, and I want to I kind of leave you with this. It's a little bit long, but I want to show you this. Um, it was actually a commercial that came out in 2014. Um, I'm a war history fan. I try not to inflict that on you most of the time. I know not everybody's into that. Um, and, and I've actually, I, I think I talked about this maybe like eight years ago or something. So a lot of you weren't here. Uh, in World War I in 1914, the, the Germans and the British uh, had a truce on Christmas Day where they did not fight, and they actually came out to meet each other. And um, it really is one of the most incredible things that's happened in the midst of a war. And um, there's a company in, in England that sells, like, biscuits and whatever called Sainsbury, and um, they, they made a commercial about it. It's a little bit long for a commercial, but I want you to watch it because it's really well done and, and it makes a good point. So check this out. Jenkins. Oakley. Night. Oh, no. 
Otto. Please meet you, Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's called. Um, it's schön. Um, it's schön. choked up and I have heard I, I always do that with war movies I can't I don't I don't choke up about other things but it always gets me um, that's real that happened um, we had the opportunity as a family to uh, visit it's actually in western Belgium we got to visit the site where that happened we took a picture in a town right there there's this statue I just want to show you this picture um, this is two soldiers shaking hands over a soccer ball um, where they sort of commemorated, we were there in 2017, they commemorated where that had happened. But it happened in a long, a long area on the Western Front there. Um, but I want you to notice why it happened, why there was peace for this time period, for a day or two. Um, it's when they sang Silent Night. It's when, uh, it's when they sang, you know, Sleep in Heavenly Peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Um, it really is about Jesus who, who brings warring sides together, who brings peace that you can't even imagine. People that are holding, who treat each other like they're the other and that they're in the contempt. To, Jesus brings an end to that. And he, and he brings 
sides together in, in a way that only he can and helps people to see their common, their common humanity and he breaks down these trenches of, of hostility. Um, I, I want you to know that there is peace to be had between you and others, between you and God, between you and how you feel in yourself. There, there is peace to be had and it comes from him. It, it comes from God. Let me challenge you with this. If, if you've not given your life to Christ, and you've not been baptized, um, come talk to us. We, we would love to help you with that. We, we baptize people here all the time. We have a, a, a baptistry set up over at 2810. We could baptize you. You give your life to him. The spirit come lives inside you and, and start working on that peace in your life. Um, if you haven't done that, let's, this is the time to lay down your arms and, 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 and stop being at war and, and accept the peace that Christ gives. Um, so let me, let me just close with this. I want to pray for peace. I, uh, I listened to another thing this week talking about Ukraine, and, it was talk- and I, I don't know a ton about that conflict, but the thing I was listening to this week was saying, this is going to be decades, and I was like, this is not good, um, and, and it, there's no way this ends well, and so, um, so I want to pray for peace as, as we close here for the world, for conflicts, for uh, different groups within our city, and for us internally as well. So let's, uh, let, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for um, how you give peace, that you, you tear down the walls of hostility between uh, English and Germans in a trench, between um, some people in Israel and Palestine, between the Jews and the Gentiles, between different racial groups that might have hostility today. Um, you can do that work you can give people a common ground to stand on who are humble before you. So God, I pray you do it. I pray that cooler heads prevail and that people dial into you and, and receive the peace that you bring in, in Ukraine and Russia, um, in other conflicts that flare up around the world, um, and then even in conflicts in our own city and our country uh, where people are so tempted to hate one another or descend into that anger and contempt and sometimes violence, and I I pray that there's peace, um, that you bring it, that more and more people come to know you, and as they know you, you work on them and change hearts from the inside out. God, we know that the line of sin and evil runs straight through the human heart. As Solzhenitsyn said, we know that it does run through our hearts too. And so God, help us to uh, be right with you and to be people who live at peace. God, I pray for everyone in this room who's anxious right now, anxious maybe to be in church, anxious about things going on with work, anxious about school, anxious about relationships in their home, anxious about their kids, about their spouse, about their dating life. There's just a lot of things out there. Um, God, will you give us peace this week and help us to know that we walk with you and that you are good and it is good and it is well with our soul and it will be uh, okay because you, you have it under control. Thank you, Lord, so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.